have your Bibles today, we're interested in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2 this morning. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2. We have begun a series entitled, What's Going to Happen? And in every chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Paul mentions the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to stand to your feet as we look at verses 18 through 20. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Have you ever felt hindered of the devil? Verse 19. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Paul says, church, I rejoice in you. Most every one of those folks at Thessalonica, Paul has preached and they have been saved. And Paul is rejoicing over and in their salvation. It is a church that is prepared for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you help us now to preach the word of God in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you take my feeble words and empower them, Father, to speak to hearts today. Yea, and to spirits, Lord, I pray you would speak life. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, our world is facing a pandemic. Threats of world war from the Ukraine and Russia and all over the Middle East are upon us. Socio-economic change, like I have never seen the world respond and change before. Political issues, all of these things trigger a meltdown. I don't know if we're facing a meltdown or not, but I do know this, we're in a countdown. The Lord is soon to return. When I look in the book of Revelation, chapter number four, the Bible says in verse number one, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet speaking or talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. This is a picture of the rapture. Number one this morning, number one. The glorious seat. What's the title of the message? What's going to happen? The judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Number one, there will be a glorious scene. It'll be a scene called the rapture that's going to take place. It could happen while I'm preaching. It could happen when the service dismisses. It could happen before we go come back to church this evening. The Lord is going to rapture the church We'll be called up together with him in the clouds. Verse 2, immediately 
I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne there were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. There has been a glorious scene taking place. There's been a summons to the throne of Almighty God. From heaven a trumpet has resounded. And in the twinkling of an eye, the church has been transported home to heaven. Those that are saved are caught up, raptured, harpazo, to be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, just as the Lord Jesus Christ promised a glorious scene, a great celebration taking place. When we get there, we see sovereignty on the throne. The scripture says a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. One, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said he is as a jasper stone, clear as a diamond, clear as a crystal, clear because he's eternal of old and eternal of all ages. He is pure and holy. He is also a sardine stone, which is the red stone. It stands for the blood and eternal salvation. Around the throne, you also, you're going to see a rainbow likened to an emerald round about the throne. The emerald is the wedding stone. It says there's a wedding that's about to take place. And we see not only a summons and sovereignty, but I want you to see in verse number four, there are um, seats around the throne. Who are they? The saints of God are gathered around the throne. The 24 elders represent the Old Testament and the New Testament saints. The Bible says they're clothed in white raiment and on their heads crowns of gold. Hey, where did they get those crowns? They have been to the judgment seat of Christ. It represents rewards given for service. I believe right after the rapture, we go to home to heaven, a great reunion, a great song, and then a summons to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And here in this picture, the elders have been rewarded with crowns on their heads. So we see a glorious scene. Number two, there is a governing seat. We saw that one sat on that throat. Let's read more about that throne that he's sitting on in 2 Corinthians chapter number five. 2 Corinthians chapter number five. The Bible says, I want to read verse eight just because I like it. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we, writing to the church, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things 
done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. The governing seat in the Greek, this judgment seat is the word bima. It's called the bima seat. What does that mean? Well, the bima seat is a raised platform where a Roman ruler would give to an athlete for reward. He would give him a commendation. But if that athlete was a cheater, he would give him a condemnation. He would suffer a loss of reward. In the Isbian Games, uh, that where we get our Olympics from, they would put wreaths around them, looks like crowns, for those that had mastered whatever event they were in. Paul pictures this Bema seat as one that all believers will stand before the Lord individually, personally. I won't stand for you, you won't stand for me. We will stand individually before the Lord. Now the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this is not a works-based salvation. It's by grace. Your works cannot get you to heaven. But once you get saved, your works will follow you to heaven. And you will be given a reward based on your works, whether they have been good or whether they have been bad. May I just say, that to stand before the Lord and that day will be no Sunday school picnic. Verse 11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We'll say three things about this governing seat. First of all, we will make a universal appearance. We must all Everybody, all the saints, not one exception to that rule. You will stand before the Lord. You will stand there unavoidably. It is a serious, solemn, spiritual examination of the redeemed of God. When your name is called, you will step out and stand before him to face the deeds that you have done in this body. There will be nowhere to run. There will be nowhere to hide. I'm thinking right now of maybe a spouse. You are hiding things from your spouse. Things you don't want them to know. You're ashamed of it. There are young people. There are things that you do that you do not want your parents to know about. You are hiding. There are employees. There are things you are doing on your job that you want to hide from the boss man. When you stand before God, you'll not hide like you hide before your spouse or before your employer 
or before your parents, God will give you a thorough examination. You will stand there undeniably. There is no defense when you stand before Christ at the judgment seat. God in heaven keeps perfect records. Every deed will be exposed. Every deed you will give an account of. And when you do it, you won't do it privately. It will be made manifest before God and every other saint. Your wife, your husband, your children, if they're saved, your pastor, your deacon, they will see what you have done. Every man's work will be made manifest. Preacher Darren, I don't think I like this preaching. Not an amen in the house. Preacher Darren, I don't think I like this preaching. We're in heaven. How can it be so tough? Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Going to heaven is going to be great, but standing before the judgment seat of Christ will be a very solemn event. If you don't like to hear the preaching, imagine what it's like for me trying to do the preaching to a crowd that doesn't want to hear it. But all I want to do is to have you to be well informed. This is not a picnic you're going to. Thirdly, in the book of Romans chapter 14, Preacher Darren, who will be standing before the Lord at this Bema seat, at this judgment seat of Christ? In Romans chapter 14, it will be number three, the glorified servants of the Lord. The glorified servants of the Lord. Romans 14, verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let me just say a couple things here. First of all, you're not standing at the judgment seat of Christ to answer the sin question. Your sins, the believer's sins were judged at Calvary. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, shed his blood to redeem you and forgive you. And if you've come to Jesus and asked him to save you, Honey, he saved you. Your sins are washed away. Your sins are forgiven. Say amen. You're on your way to heaven. Thank God. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Your sins are dealt with. Let me say something else. 
your sins now that you commit every day, you're being judged as sons. What do you mean, preacher Darren? Now the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's adopted you into the family of a most high God. And every day, he treats you as his child. And when you mess up, when you sin, when you transgress, when you commit iniquity and you come to him, the Holy Spirit convicts you. And when you get on your knee to say, God, I've messed up again. Will you forgive me? He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So the believer's sins are already judged. The believer is judged as a son presently, but in the future, at the judgment seat of Christ, the believer will be judged as a servant. This is not a judgment for salvation. It's already judged. This is a judgment for service. Have you been faithful? Have you been true? What have you done? Both the good and the bad. Number four, in 1 Corinthians chapter three, Preacher Darren, you got me turning too much. No, you probably don't turn enough. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, there is number four, the great survey. The great survey. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's what we build on, is Jesus. Are you saved today? He's your sure foundation. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Your foundation is Christ. But when you're building and you're serving Christ, you have options on how to do it. If you use gold, silver, and precious stones, those are things that are valuable, things that are permanent, things that are beautiful, things that require sacrifice to acquire, you can build upon it. Or you can build upon the foundation with wood, hay, and stubble, things which are temporary, things which are cheap, things which are easy to obtain. What's the difference between gold, silver, and precious stones and wood, hay, and stubble? They'll be trod by fire. Fire will burn up the wood, the hay, and the stubble. But the fire will not burn up the gold and the silver and the precious stones. That's the review. You and your works, your service and my service will be reviewed before God by fire. What is the revelation? 
every man's work, read it, will be made manifest. For not only God to see, but for everyone to see. The rewards. There are five types of crowns in the New Testament that you will be given for your service to the Lord. I don't have time to preach this, but they are the incorruptible crown. They are the crown of life, the crown of rejoicing. Remember when I read 1 Thessalonians 2? Paul said, you are our crown of rejoicing. That's a soul winner's crown. The crown of righteousness and the crown of glory. Every deed done in the name of Jesus Christ will be blessed and rewarded. Even a cup of cold water. Revelations 22, 12 says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I had not been pastoring here a year. We were in the old sanctuary. The place was packed. The spirit fell. Souls were saved. When the service was over, people were testifying. They had a song. And all of a sudden, while this was going on, a man, Tommy Singleton, stood up from the back of the church and started walking down the aisle. And I thought, what is he doing? He come walking up to the platform. I used to have a little vase of water and he picked it up in an empty cup and he poured it. And with tears running down his face, he reached to me that cup of cold water as if to say, thank you preacher, you've helped me today. And youngins, drink it, I could not. But I took it and poured it all over the altar as if to give it to God because it wasn't me doing the preaching and it wasn't me being deserving of anything. I want to lay my crown at Jesus' feet. But bless God, I want to have something to lay at his feet. Even a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name is this is as if you gave it to Jesus himself. There's the great survey. There will be some standing there, verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, so as by fire there'll be regret. All the methods all the motives, all the attitudes, all your activities will be exposed and they will be judged. There will be many who have in the church put on the dog. That's a country term. Oh, they've talked a big game. They've acted out in front of everybody. And you'll think, man, what a reward they're going to get. But inside their soul has been shriveled down for years and they only want the applause of men and the pat on the back of another preacher and recognition by local people. Those motives, those methods, those manners will not stand the judgment seat of Christ's fire. Amen. Well, preacher, listen, it'll not affect their salvation. They're saved, yet so is by fire. Let me say it like this. They're saved but singed. <laughs> Their works have burnt up. Mm. 
Will you hear me for a second? Matthew 12, 36 says, Every idle word that men shall speak, he shall give an account of thereof in the day of judgment. So the next time you decide when the service is over, you want to have roast preacher? You want to run your preacher down? You want to talk about what he did or what he did not do? When you want to run the church down for what you thought she did or did not do? The next time you want to run down a saint of God, the next time you want to talk about a sinner, you just know that every idle word you speak, you will give an account of before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. And it will be exposed openly. That's a scary thought, friends. Number five, and I'm done. There is the gracious standard. If we are living for the Lord, then we'll be rewarded and not rebuked. And I thought as I drove up here today, I have 24 hours less to be prepared for this moment than I had yesterday. And my time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. I better be ready not just to go to heaven, but to stand before him by myself to give an account of what I've thought and what I've said and what I've done. Three things I want to say about this and I'm done. Our motives. Why do you do what you do? The Bible says there's only one valid motive to do what you do. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whatever you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Not to be seen by man. If what you're doing cannot be done for his glory, it's going to burn up in judgment. What are your motives for doing what you do? It must be for the glory of God. What are your methods? How do you do the things that you do? The Bible says that we are like lights shining forth in the darkness. If the world cannot see Christ in what you're doing, it will burn up and you will suffer loss of reward. Can the world see Christ in what you do? What about your manner? Every activity must be laid alongside the Word of God. It's like a plumb line. It tells what's right and it tells what's wrong. And if what you're doing is out of line with this word, you're going to experience loss. If what you're doing is in line with this word, you can expect reward. And any reward that you are given can be laid at Jesus' feet. For he is worthy.
is a sobering truth. When the rapture takes place, whoopee, praise God. We're going to see our loved ones, then we're going to see our Jesus. Hallelujah. But then you're going to stand to give an account with this eternal life he gave you. I have to give an account from July 13th, 1978 to where we are now. Things that I've not put under the blood of Jesus Christ, I will give an account for my manner, my, listen, your ability, your attitude, your activity, the authority God gave you. How did you use it? The ability God gave you. Are you using it for his glory? Or are you doing something else with it? There was a woman. I'm done. There was a woman. She married this fella right out of high school. And they didn't really love each other. It was just the next step in life they thought they should take. And he was very domineering and very demanding. He had a list for her. Of do's and don'ts. He said, you're to get up at 5.30. My breakfast is to be ready by 7 o'clock. You know, I know some of you wives are sitting here thinking, oh, no, he did not. Oh, bless God, oh, oh me, man, well, who was he? I expect the dusting to be done on Monday. And the vacuuming too, it's got to be this. My supper will be ready at 5 o'clock. I mean, it was one thing after another. She had a list. And finally, after years, he had talked down to her, they had no love or respect for each other, but she stayed with him because she married him. Finally, he died. Thank God. And a few years went by and she met another fella. Handsome dude. Polite. Always telling her she was beautiful. Always encouraging her. Listening to her. He would give her tokens of his affection and tokens of his appreciation. And he asked her to marry him after saying she was the love of his life. And she accepted and she married again. And after a few years of being married to this man who was such a delight and such a winsome man, she opened a drawer and in the back of that drawer she found her old list. Get up at 5.30, have my breakfast at 7, do the dusting, do the cleaning, do the washing, do the... And she thought, ah, well, glad I'm not with him anymore. And then she realized, wait a minute. This new fellow I'm with and how I love him, I still get up at 5.30. I cook his breakfast every day. I do the washing, the dusting, the vacuuming, the shopping. I run this whole household. When he gets home, I can't wait to see him. I've got his supper ready. We're going to spend time together. And she said, I'm still doing the same list that I used to hate, but now I do it with joy because I love him. You see the things God wants. It's back to life. Do you see this plant that was dead and wilted over? The word of God, she'll come right back to life. Isn't that amazing? Just get a little water on it. I'm telling you, what you need to do and serve God, you think, that ain't no fun. That's too hard. I don't want to sing in that choir. I don't want, I don't want to live for Jesus all week long. There's no way I can do it. But if you really love him, the way you should love him, it's a joy to get up and say, I'm going to church today. 
I'm going to sing in that choir today. I'm going to hear my preacher. I'm going to back my preacher. I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to go back on Sunday night. And if they have a Wednesday night service, I'm there. And, I, and it's a joy to testify and to live for him every day if you love him, right? When you stand before Christ one day at the judgment seat, how will it be for you? Is there some grudge that you have against somebody? Is there some motive you have that's improper? Is there something you've been hiding? I'm not telling you to confess it to me or even to your whoever is significant in your life. I'm asking you, tell it to God and say, Lord, before you come and I stand and everybody sees my shriveled soul, I want to get right with you. Lord, I'm going to treat that person better. I'm going to pray for my enemy. Lord, I'm going to, listen, time is too short to play tiddlywinks with this message. Jesus could come today and you'll be standing before him before you know it. And you'll stand there and think, oh, I wished when I was at Bethel that morning, I'd have bowed my knee and said, God, before I stand before Jesus at the judgment seat to give an account for what I said, wash me with blood. Wash me, Lord, and make me white as snow. Cleanse me, God, my manners, my motives. God, help me today with my methods. And you know what he'll do? He'll wash you. And when you stand there, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he'll give you a crown. And you'll walk out there and say, woo, it's not much, but what little I am. One of these, here's what you're going to do. When Jesus steps out, you're going to bow before him. You're going to take your crown off. <laughs> oh, man. You're going to throw it. You're going to cast it at Jesus' feet and say, you're worthy, Lord. I wouldn't even be saved were it not you. I would not testify were it not you. My family wouldn't be saved were it not for you. Lord, I'd have been a nothing were it not for you. And it's all yours, Lord. Jesus deserves the glory. One of these days, that'll be you. You stand to your feet. Seth, you come play. There may be somebody that needs to meet me. I'm going to the altar myself. I'm going right now. I'm not waiting on you. I'm going right now. So you do what you need to do, but I promise you this. Really, not one of us is ready to stand at that judgment seat like we think we are. Come on now, church. Our Father and our God, Lord, when we think of giving accounts for our idle words and our motives and our manners and our methods, Lord, we are ashamed. We're ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed before you at your coming. I want to be ready. I want to be shouting. I want to be prepared for the summons to stand before a sovereign, holy God. And Lord, I'm thankful that sin answer's been already solved. 
at Calvary, and I praise you for it. But Lord, would you forgive me? Would you help us, God, and this church that our walk with you might be right? It might be pure. God, I pray, Father, you touch our spirit. You touch our soul. You'd touch our body. You'd sanctify. You'd justify. And one day you'll glorify. Lord, I pray. God, that you'd help me, Lord. To be in a place that I can bow my knee before you. Knowing you're my Savior, Lord. And not be ashamed. But to receive a crown, yea, I want to win all five. That I might lay them at Jesus' feet. Because He gave everything for me. And I would be in hell with my back broken were it not for Jesus. And God, I praise You. And Lord, I confess to You my improper actions and deeds and words. And God, help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to live for you each and every day. Lord, would you make this day a new day in my life, a day, Father, God, that you use us for your glory. And for this I pray in Jesus' name, by God's Spirit, amen and amen.